HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, you're listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and uh, today's a very rainy Monday in Brooklyn um, at Roberta's Pizza, where the station is based. And uh, we have a couple of um, guests, but maybe I'll just start by saying welcome to spring, everybody. And we had definitely a very spring-like weekend, um, despite the rain today. Or, or because it's the rain today. That's all part of spring. Okay, so um, I hope uh, many of you guys got your garden started. I certainly have. And I know these guests have as well. And uh, they're probably some of the best people to speak to about urban farming. Um, so if you have any questions, you can also call in at 718-297-4, But that'll be after the break. I'm not sure why I just gave you the number now. Anyway, so this guest with me, we just got all situated here. It's a, it's been a, it's been a long weekend for most of us, and um, back into the swing of things this Monday. And I'm so happy to have you here, Annie Novak from Growing Chefs and Ur- Eagle Street Rooftop Farms. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. And we have, we have Paula Crossfield from Civil Eats. Hi. Hey. So you guys. <laughs> We're just like we're just looking at pictures of chicken coops right now and checking and you know asking each other about our various uh, urban farm projects and what's going on with them lately. And uh, let's just get right back to, into that. So, Annie, what have you got going on either at you know your own home or at rooftop farms? There are so many projects in the works right now. This is a very exciting question. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, I live about four blocks from the farm in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And one of the, um, the farm itself is coming back to life. It's its second spring this year. So everything that was planted last year that I didn't pull out of the ground is actually sprouting. So I have overwintered spinach. It's a Bloomsdale variety from Long Island. It's delicious. Um, the Brussels sprouts came back. The kale is back. And a lot of the herbs are back. I actually saw my first viola blossom. There's a little pansy blooming on the rooftop this morning. Um, and then my backyard, which is toxic, terrible soil. Um, I'm actually going to South Brooklyn today to Six Points Brewery to talk to one of the brewmasters about possibly using some of their spent grains to build a soil remediation project 
for my backyard, I'm going to host some mycelium this year to try and draw some of that stuff out of the soil. And then report back to all the readers at Green Pointers, the blog, about my work to see if uh, I can help anyone else with backyard gardening. So doing it on the roof, doing it on the ground, <laughs> growing everywhere I can. That's so cool to hear about just last year's um, Brussels sprouts and everything popping up at. Yeah, they're Did beautiful. You, that's amazing. And that was intentional, too. You you kept them there yeah. so that, you know, they'd re... They're perennial, so they'd... Well, actually, you know, there's there are two reasons why you would overwinter things. Mm-hmm. Um, for the rooftop in particular, you know, the soil last year was, was fairly sterile. It was imported rooftop right. medium. So... The advantage of letting something overwinter is that any of the bacterial uh, microbial activity that is around the plants, if I was to pull all the plants out, it would remove their food source, their ecosystem. Um, I'm a big fan of letting as much as possible overwinter because you don't disturb everything you've built up. And in that kind of environment, it's particularly important because if I had taken it out, I'd have to start afresh. And that's a lot of catch up. So the only plant that I took out of the soil last year at the end of the year in October was um I took out all the tomatoes and the rest of the nightshades because those can be um, pathogenic hosts to some viruses that are not super great for Mm -hmm. the nightshade family. Um, And then just to nerd out a little bit more, um, (laughs) the other advantage to leaving in things like kale and such is that my crop rotation plan puts a lot of legumes where the brassicas are. So where the kale stands up like sticks, they will make perfect trellises for my beginning peas and beans this year. And then I'll pull them out and replace them with bamboo sticks as the year goes on. So. And just a shout out for overwintering. It is super exciting when you go up and you see stuff growing, you know, after a long winter. When you go up there and you see kale, you see spinach, you see your chives growing again, is really exciting. That's something really to look forward to now. I just planted a bunch of those beans and uh, all this stuff that we just mentioned. And that's Greens. so cool. It'll come back. <laughs> Yay. Um so what do you have any of that stuff coming up, Paula? Or? I do. I do. I have lots of greens. And I actually, I had such an exciting weekend because it's been sunny for five days. So I literally just went up there, cleaned up. I put some good stuff in the soil, some compost, some love, and then planted some greens and some beans. So, Do and you have containers or do you do you direct, um, did you put in a lot of soil on the rooftop? I did. Actually, okay. we, we did the same. We, last year was our first year, and I'm also an amateur, so I'm learning a lot from Annie. Um, and I just brought in soil from the Lower East Side Ecology Garden, yep. and we built nine beds out of cedar and put a drainage layer in. And we actually found um, peanuts, styrofoam peanuts on the on the you know street and brought them up and used them as a, a layer in between two screens so that the water can drain through really mm-hmm. easily. So we overwintered those and they look great still. So hopefully we'll have them for another couple of years. That's great. That's a good idea. I actually used um, styrofoam at the bottom of I'm using only containers mm-hmm. right now. Um, actually hollowed out um, or cut cut in half kegs because there were so many leftover kegs that were at six point that um, <laughs> nice. we got to use them somehow. So so that's that's the first layer to, you know, drain. Um, and then there's, you know, Gaia soil and compost also from Lower East Side Ecology Center. So that's that's, you know, that's great. Where do you guys get your soil? Just curious. I mean, how does... Well, now you try to keep as much as you can on the roof. That's yeah. the goal. So it's whenever you're pulling year. anything out, you shake it as much as you can to keep as much soil there. And then you, you're building soil with a compost. Mm-hmm. So Annie knows a lot about compost. I'm just sort of learning as I go to you, try and produce my own soil. Right. But. You produce your own compost for the rooftop farms, Yeah. Right? I, I, the first thing I do anytime someone is setting up a garden is, is get them composting because you can't – it's like the most valuable – 
um, product that comes out of any gardening space. So um, I do a couple different systems. I have on the rooftop, there are two um, massive composting um, bins. One is for leaves, for leaf litter, because the Parks Department stopped collecting leaf litter last year and people needed a place to put them. And then um, that produces a really good fungal compost. And then the other bin is mostly food scraps, which mm-hmm. I add a lot of like coffee grounds and um, let's see, eggshells are really good as well. Those come from restaurants. And then in my backyard, I'm doing vermicomposting and I hope mm-hmm. to bring that up to the rooftop as well. And I actually found worms in the rooftop soil this year in the spring. I found a couple too. I was really surprised. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. So they're so just finding is... their way. They're burrowing, you know, yeah. up the, up the side <laughs> of the building. Who knows? Yeah. They either climbed up the walls <laughs> or they came in as eggs and right. small baby worms in the compost that we were amending. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. So um, we also, uh, do you guys keep bees? Um, also on the roof. Yes. There are two apiaries on the rooftop. They were there before it was legal. They're there now that it's legal, I'm proud to say, on air. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm actually planning on installing two more hives this year to bring the total up to four because they did really well and it's a okay. good space for them. That's great. Annie mm-hmm. was just talking, trying to talk me into doing it myself. I'm thinking about it this year. I mean, Having a hive we have a small two. rooftop and I live in a co-op, so I have to convince my neighbors that it's a good idea and that their kids aren't going to get stung. So... If they're receptive, I think it would be likely that I do it this year. Right, because you know, last week, um, as Annie had mentioned, um, you know, this well, yesterday, some very important things passed in a uh, in the house, the healthcare reform, awesome. But also last week, we had a really cool um, event in New York City where we legalized beekeeping for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been a stubborn ban on it for several years. So it's it's been really exciting to see a lot of people rejoice and not that they, um, you know, not that people didn't keep bees, but now it's just, it makes, it, it makes the whole, you know, experience easier to share and talk about and just kind of... Paves the way for new bee- beekeepers as well. But. Exactly. And more bees in the city. <laughs> Bzzz. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like like right here at Roberta's, actually, for instance. Uh, do you do anything with the honey, Annie? Yeah, the honey last year, actually, I didn't. Um, I saw about a jar of it, and the rest of it was um, sold to, I'm not sure, actually. Some of it went into making these really good pastries that I ate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of it was sold off of the farm market, which is our Sunday market from 9 to 4, every Sunday starting in May. And... So that's kicking off May 1st. No. Or uh, you know, it'll Sunday be later is. on in May probably okay. um, because of the way that the greens come in. But um, this year with the um, doubling up, the reason I wanted more hives in the roof wasn't necessarily just to sell more honey, but also because we've been starting to partner with different local beekeeping associations and different beekeepers in the area to do more um, programming and educational stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the timing is really perfect because now that the ban has been lifted, people are going to really want to start keeping bees and not that I have anything against bees and I handle them totally fine and I'm a novice in that myself, but um, they are um, dangerous stinging animals and people have allergies to them. And so I'm really excited about having, on the 25th of April, I'm having a bee pe- beekeeper named Ross Conrad come speak. He wrote mm-hmm. the book, I think it's called Natural Beekeeping. He's a phenomenal guy. He's one of the best trained beekeepers I know. Um, he's coming to speak on the roof about how to keep bees. Oh, that's great. At 2 o'clock, it'll be a free lecture on Sunday, April 25th. And he's doing another class on Thursday night later on in the month. Um And I'm trying to do more and more of that with the apiaries because, you know, I think, and this is what Paul and I were brainstorming, like when people are going into beekeeping, they should consider ponying up with someone else who's more experienced. It's the same sort of mentorship I would recommend for any kind of agricultural act. 
Yeah. And uh, just checking out that you have everything, all the equipment. Do you do you have like just gloves? Do you wear? Um, do you get into these big suits or no? The most important piece of equipment I think is your smoker, mm-hmm. um, which is just a it's a can with sort of an air press on the back, and you can burn. I know the woman I work with, um, Meg of BK Honey, Brooklyn Honey. Um, she's phenomenal, and she uses pine needles and burlap, and it just the smoking calms the bees and. Um, or stuns them. I'm not sure which. Uh, Let's go with calm. Calm. It calms them. And it's really helpful because that allows just you to approach the hive time. and just check them out. Yeah. Um, I don't wear a veil. I know Meg does, but she's also getting way up in the grill. And I'm yeah. I'm usually about five feet behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to check that out. So that's really cool. April 25th, you'll have some. April 25th, Ross Conrad is coming to speak at the Rooftop Farm on Sunday at 2 o'clock. It's part of our 2 o'clock free lecture series and they'll be happening once we open on Sundays every Sunday at two someone exciting will be there talking if it's not me it'll be someone else that's awesome and (laughs) will you also have the volunteer days Saturdays uh it's Sundays as well yeah Sundays it's Mm -hmm. all it's all lined up a Sunday is volunteer day it's the open farm market day Saturdays are actually closed to the public okay Mm -hmm. exciting Mm -hmm. great um so uh Paula can you just tell us a little bit more about what's going on at Civil Leader just before we Oh, yeah. Well, Civil Eats is a site that I run. It's national and it's really wonderful to have a platform for many different voices to talk about what's going on in policy and, you know, the environment, issues of health, all having to do with food and sustainability. So it's civileats.com and we have new stories every day. So it's worth checking out. Yeah, there's some really exciting stories lately I've been following and um, certainly with uh, beekeeping going on right now. Um, it's they're on top of everything going on with food just by the second and child nutrition reauthorization is a big subject right now so we're going to be talking about that we have a piece coming out tomorrow which is going to be really informative with lots of interesting people weighing in on what one dollar per student meal will mean so that's I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that yeah that's that should be really cool I recently discovered this new blog that was like lunch uh it was like about this mom. Oh, no, no, no. It was a teacher. Who's eating school lunch? Yes, who's eating school lunch every single day and talking about it and taking photos of every lunch every day. It's and horrifying. It is. It is. But it's also kind of neat to see um, different school, like different places around the world. Like there was a sc- the teacher from Japan who wrote in um, and just, I, I, you know, I'm so out of it. I, I remember school lunches vaguely, but now like just seeing them and describing each day's worth really puts you back right into the cafeteria. Yeah. And, and also reminds you that, you know, times have changed and it kids, has. kids are changing. They want different food. I mean, there's also a blog written by kids <laughs> and they take pictures of the garbage can and what people are throwing away from their lunch and what they're unwilling to eat. And that's also really interesting to get a kid's perspective. Oh no. Did they throw out like the apples? Or- no, oh, actually okay. they, you know, they're like, this is gross. And they take oh. a picture, <laughs> you know, of the gross lunch and say, we're not eating this. That's a great idea. Give kids cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a- well, they all have cell phones nowadays. So that is true. You could just turn on the video. All right, we're going to take a quick break and just uh, have a little musical interlude and come right back uh, with Annie Novak and Paula Crossfield. Oh 
Just like honey. All right, we're back with Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks, Jack Inslee, our producer here, for choosing that blast from the past 80s song, Just Like Honey, uh, for the little music um, choice of the day. And today we have, should I keep going or is it fading out or am I good? Okay, <laughs> just check in. All right, so today we have Annie Novak and Paula Crossfield, and uh, we're talking urban beekeeping, farming, rooftop farming, gardening, you name it. Um, I forgot to mention that Annie also is the uh, director, organizer, founder of growingchefs.org. Check it out. Um, She teaches food um, cooking classes for kids um, and also, you know, growing food plus cooking. And do you want to explain that a little better than <laughs> I just... Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great intro. I teach food. Um, <laughs> uh, Growing Chefs was founded in 2005 to teach people about food from field to fork. So my passion is plants, and you can't get people excited about plants unless you give them something to eat. So I decided to teach um, gardening and cooking as sort of a, a balanced um, class. And right now I'm teaching at Third Ward, a class for adults, Brooklyn Kitchen is also graciously hosting a more cooking-focused version of the class, which has been so much fun. And um, I'm Was actually that grow it, cook it, eat it. Yeah, yeah, grow it, cook it, eat it. Grow what you eat, mm-hmm. eat what you grow. Um, at Third Ward, we take more of a focus on building. So I've built warm bins as one part of the workshop, and the other part we do actual seed starting. Um, and as the season grows, of course, we'll be changing the theme of the class to fit what's actually going on. And then the other two other arms that Growing Chefs has right now that I'm really excited about. One is um, I've recently partnered with the school in Queens to do a schoolyard installation, schoolyard garden installation so that the kids will have a space to be outside um, and to keep growing the things that we're doing, we're using in our cooking club. And I'm hoping to set that model up as a first step towards doing that with many other schools. Um, And the focus is really just um, taking playgrounds that are these beautiful spaces and making sure that they have a garden space as well. And um, also now that Eagle Street Rooftop Farm will be open again for the season, um, continuing to do our Monday and Wednesday, nine in the morning till one in the afternoon programming where we teach composting, seed starting, um, whatever happens to be seasonally appropriate um, for schools and organizations in the area. That's great. Um, and no, you, you've been doing this for a while um, and it seems to be expanding and growing. Um, just going back, though, to, you know, kids going, ew, about food. Do you see that they latch on to these, you know, composting and worms and all that stuff? OK, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been doing children's education for six years now. And one thing that I've noticed is that if you teach a child, if you empower the child through the act of what they're doing to get to develop the finished product themselves, so to say that in layman's terms, if the child is the one cooking, they, they'll eat it. Um, and I've noticed that um, 
it, you you just sort of feel out the opportunity. Like with high schoolers, last year I had a group of high schoolers up to the Eagle Street rooftop farm, and they helped me harvest nasturtium. And nasturtium is a really spicy edible flower, and that didn't go down very well until it started becoming this like very jocular teenage like you eat it no you eat it man no, you uh, eat it. they didn't want to and eat they loved it they're well, so beautiful they're no? beautiful okay. and they're delicious but it took it took that tenor usually with a seven-year-old be like no you should try this it'll be so pretty it's a flower but these teens i was like you got to try this or you're not cool you know so sort of whatever's appropriate <laughs> to convince these kids that like you know this touch is how the you worm it. yeah touch the Dig worm in there yeah, yeah and just yeah. you know it's i think it's all about approach and i'm really lucky right now i have a about 12 different staff people that i work with who are um, amazing educators and really good with kids and adults as well. And just getting people comfortable because whatever the approach is, whether it's worms or salad or, or um, you know, reusable energy sources or composting, like, you know, people come together over food. So it takes a couple of times, but then everybody enjoys it. Yeah, I guess when you make it yourself, it can't be icky, right? Exactly, yeah, because then you're also icky and that's Yes, cool. exactly. <laughs> and start, better to start early too when they're kind of, you know, maybe playing around in dirt anyway exactly um that's the hope hopefully yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off off the cell phones and twitters and onto the dirt <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so are you gonna have more kids groups up at rooftop farms as well or? yeah eagle street um starting mid-april is about i mean i've had a couple groups up so far but it's really the weather gets gets more consistently easier to work with towards the first week of april and it's mondays and wednesdays um, folks can write Annie at growingchefs.org to schedule a one and a half hour workshop anytime between nine and one on Mondays and Wednesdays. Great. Great. I'm totally going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Paula, Paula, Paula and her, her wonderful husband, Jan, came up last year and helped plant a couple of times and even in bad weather. And I'm going to just, Jan, I gave Jan a bunch of t- spinach seeds and it's the most perfectly planted row <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Oh, sort of a perfection. Yeah. So, and their garden, their garden reflects it. Yeah. Stick out there and just one, two. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. And one of the funny differences is, um, well, not funny. I just thought of it. Um, you know, at rooftop farms, there was, every time I went up there, there's, you know, and as the summer increased, there was like tenfold. As a billion many, and a one people. A billion and one people. Yeah. And Annie and me and Ben. And, you know, whoever else um mm-hmm. and they'd all be helping out just avidly you know helping weed helping tra- uh you know just harvesting and so forth um and obviously it's a huge roof it's well larger than somebody's you know home apartment roof like like yours paula but um you know so you always have people helping out but what if you know for the independent just solo gardener with a backyard or a rooftop because I'm starting to wonder about that too. You know, like how do you go on vacation? Do you have to have a babysitter, kind of like a dog sitter, take over your roof? How do you do that, Paula? Um, you have to have a timer with your watering system. That's self-watering key. system. And also, yeah. you know, I, I live in a building with 17 other apartments, so I kind of empower my neighbors to take part sometimes if they can. You know, hey, is it a you... shared roof or? Yeah, no. it's a shared okay. roof, and everyone uses the communal space, which is you know we have the beds on the outside rim of the um, one side of the mm-hmm. of the roof, and in the center we have a table. So people are always up there having lunch, and you know they kind of get a feeling for the place. So then if you just go up there and say, hey, can you make sure nothing's dying? Oh, that's you know, great. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It builds community too. Yeah, and I it mean, sounds like a small enough group of people too that it's not like out of control either yeah Yeah. I mean I know everyone Mm -hmm. you know you can't not know everyone in your building when you're kind of in a business deal with them and you're making sure you pay the bills and all that together so um 
It is great. And the best part is when the tomatoes come in season. I mean, we kind of had a bad tomato year last year, but it wasn't so bad on the roof, actually. We didn't have any blight. But um, it actually uh, was amazing to present people with tomatoes because they were like, whoa, we grew those on the roof, you know, and they get really excited. And and then they're kind of curious, you know. And then I started seeing seeds planted by the kids in the building. And it, it would say like Imogen's basil. (laughs) which was really nice this is yeah kathy seriously when you're worried about convincing people to do things that they might consider icky you just have to feed them well and they will will eventually come over to to your team yeah it's phenomenal (laughs) yeah i'm thinking you know just help you know babysit the farm and uh take whatever you want Mm -hmm. hopefully Mm -hmm. not everything Mm -hmm. but (laughs) this is when i when i teach these classes and folks come to me and ask that same question like how do you if you're just one single person um, or sort of approaching any space. I think the key thing is you have to decide what you like to eat and base your plant list around that. Because if you grow things you're not going to want to eat, you're not going to invest the time in it. Um, and then after you decide that, you figure out where your water access is and where your, what your sunlight is like. And then be honest with yourself about how much time you want to commit to it. Because I've had really successful gardens with um, low-maintenance plants like um, dill, things that where it's okay if it sort of dries up and goes to seed. Um, dill is good. Perennial herbs are good. Um you can even do, if you want the most low maintenance roof possible or garden space possible, you could do butterfly bushes and wildflowers and then put up an apiary. And there's, we had talked about this, there's an upfront cost of about $500 to build that. But to have that flowering garden that's very low maintenance, it doesn't need a lot of attention or water, and then be able to gather honey, you know, that's a that's a really balanced situation for someone who doesn't want to spend a lot of time on their garden. Very cool. So, yeah. What yeah. is a butterfly bush, though? It's a type of plant. They're, okay. they're called butterfly bushes and they attract um, butterflies awesome <laughs> they're beautiful cool can't wait were you gonna say something fun? well i was just gonna say i'm also a big advocate of planning that one random thing <laughs> you know like that's gonna be a surprise you may not, not have eaten it before you know i planted sorrel last year and i'd never eaten sorrel and my husband was like oh that's sorrel let's make a soup with it and he whipped up the soup because he's french so he does weird things like that <laughs> and um it was amazing it was it's like and, yeah tangy right it's tangy um, it has kind of a lemony mm-hmm. taste to it and it's a perennial it comes back every year and I, I also cut it and within two weeks it was grown again you know it's a quick grower and so I, i'm a real advocate for the surprise that's great that's a good idea and you know with with so many different seed varietals you can take any different, you know, heirloom, and it'll be totally different from, say, another, um, you know, radish or something like that. I got these, like, white icicle radishes, and mm-hmm. they look like smaller daikons, and I'm like... White I, icicle, oh, watermelon, green meat, they're all... It's You're making a really good point. If you have a plant that you feel comfortable with, like a radish, it's 30 days to harvest. It's totally easy to grow. Um, why not just grow the crazy variety because you're in charge? And it's fun. <laughs> and also you're helping, you know, restore seeds that of monoculture have have uh, tried to thwack over mm-hmm. the years. Yeah. So amen to that. Um, so, okay. So any last uh, thoughts? So coming up on Civil Eats, we're going to see um, more child. Child nutrition reauthorization. We're, we've been talking about the um, antitrust uh, workshops that are taking place, the the department of justice is looking into the big companies that have kind of taken over agriculture and getting farmers input on that so we've been covering that story um yeah i mean everything that comes down the pike having to do with food and and sustainability gmos all mm-hmm. that stuff we talk about it and we'll inform you somebody once asked me i was talking about i was like you got to check out you know this side and this side and i was like civil eats and they're like but does it have recipes i'm like 
Well, you know, we do pump. sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think you, I think you do, and I know that you're a good cook. So maybe um, I don't know. People always ask me that. They're like, "More recipes." <laughs> like, indeed, okay. I think recipes are very empowering. It's like an easy way to get someone engaged, but at the same time, I think we're filling a niche that that a lot of people aren't so familiar with, which is more of the policy stuff. And and exactly. I think we write it to a general audience, so it doesn't make right, you feel excluded. Not. We're trying to let you know what's going on so you feel more empowered. Um, Paula and Kathy are both invited to write recipes for growingchefs.org if they'd like. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and you guys are both invited to be, I'll, I'll explain this more during lunch, but um, the gardening gurus of my new upcoming website. Hey, so hey. Coming up. <laughs> By the way, I had a raccoon break into my garden last night. Ooh. Yeah. Dug up some radishes. Oh my god, it was terrible. They also God bless they also eat lettuce and I'm thinking what, electric fence? I don't know. Double layer chicken wire and staple that stuff to the ground. Get a shotgun. (laughs) Just sit there. Food policy with Paula Crossfield. That was a joke. Okay, we, we should have you guys on like in a few months too and we'll see how this went with uh both of your rooftop farms and you know. Um I'm sure I'll be there and to check it out and um I'll and we be can reading talk chicken. Civil Eats. Yes, we have to talk chicken soon, too. That'll be another show. Excellent. Cool. All right, so thanks again for coming, and thanks to Jack Insley and to Nat Wiener. We'll see you next week on Let's Eat In. Brought to you by Whole Foods. Love.